Welcome to Face Your Faith. I hope that this topic study will help you grow deeply in your relationship with God, to be fearless in your faith, and to present others the Word of God in freedom and in peace. In part one of Spiritual Warfare, we covered the first cosmic war in heaven and our current global war that continues as Satan lashes out in revenge against humanity and everything God has done. In the second part of Spiritual Warfare, we will be discussing some of the repercussions of Satan's revenge on various people and in our own lives today. So who else has been engaged in spiritual warfare in history? Well, everyone, but to name a few very recognizable names, Job, Jonah, David, Paul, and don't forget Jesus, and certainly the list goes on. But don't we often say it's not fair that God would dare let us suffer for two people's stupidity? Sure it is. After all, everyone suffered before us, and more importantly, God himself in the flesh as Jesus lived and took the exact same suffering we live in every day and made it his, and through that ownership made a perfect way out for everyone who chooses to defeat Satan. Moreover, Jesus was the truly innocent bystander who had nothing to do with the garbage we pull and choose to allow in our lives. Not only that, Jesus owned it 100% without retaliation at all. On that note, and a little side note, aren't you happy Jesus didn't contact his lawyer after all the illegal trials that were held, along with people stalking him, terrorizing him, slandering him, and saying so many evil, nasty, untrue things about him? You know, Jesus had a fantastic case to sue and put those involved in abusing him on trial so he could have put all this behind him. But no, he didn't threaten legal action about his rights being violated, scream injustice, start a protest, a boycott, or claim victimization from harassment and bullying. Aren't you thrilled? Jesus did exactly what he needed to do and persevered through it all. For you, for me, to get us out of this mess for eternity. Jesus truly lived out and modeled how to engage in spiritual warfare. So why aren't we following his lead? Jesus clearly states, you will be persecuted in my name and the world will hate you because of me, Matthew 10, 22. And there is yet another aspect of spiritual warfare we face every day, not accepting the persecution, even to death, that we as believers are promised we will face. We must spend the life God has given us to promote his word, not fighting what only God himself can put to an end, evil. You have simply been called to consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Doesn't sound like legal action, griping, yelling, screaming, etc., can ever get us even close to the maturity and reward from God that He is promising us. Could it be that we are so involved in our feelings and rights that we think we absolutely don't deserve to suffer real, ugly trials of many kinds? That if indeed we are to face trials, they need to be fair and not personal in nature. Not only that, things back then were different than they are now. Oh, were they? I don't think so. And Satan loves the fact that we get all twisted up with the rest of the world, that our feelings were hurt and our rights were violated. And there's the heart of true spiritual warfare. Are you listening to God? 
Do you hear what he is telling you to do? What you will experience and that we are expected to keep plowing through it without stopping to complain about our rights and comfort. If you have not yet listened to Peace and Persecution, another topic on this website, I encourage you to do so as it brings a better understanding to this topic. As we continue, Paul is yet another great reminder and example of a great warrior in battle for God. He never demanded better conditions, rights, or sued for his wrongful treatment and imprisonment. Rather, Paul continued on in the fullness of faith. He persevered. He didn't even take time out in prison to belabor how unfair it all was. Interestingly, Paul, as Saul, prior to his conversion, had far fewer problems and far more freedom as a terrorist and murderer of Christians than being a Christian and serving God. And isn't that also a promise we have from God? This life as a believer is going to be rough, but better rough for a short period of time than rough for eternity. Once again, Paul proves you will be persecuted in my name, even to death. So go and live it out and stop whining with the world. Grow up, own it, rejoice in it, and wait for the eternal reward. Another notable example of someone who has engaged in spiritual warfare is a favorite go-to, Job. And we often think of Job first because what he went through seems so devastating and absolutely unimaginable. And while it was indeed unreal to lose so much so fast and of all things having God and Satan talk behind your back about your demise is impossible at least for me to reconcile. Let's take a look at what exactly happened from Job 1.8. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for anything? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. Then the Lord said to Satan, very well, Everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. A few interesting insights from this passage. Very clearly we see that Satan is not a mind reader. Not only did God have to grant permission for Satan to do what he did to Job, but Satan also had to follow God's rules. And I think it's fantastic and fascinating that Satan did not attempt to go outside of those rules while wreaking havoc on Job's life. Now, does this mean that Satan has to follow the rules that God has in place over those who call on him for salvation? Absolutely. How do we know this? 1 Corinthians 10:13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. What a great promise. Isaiah 41.10 So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Let's move on to our next well-known individual who suffered persecution and spiritual warfare. Have we forgotten Jesus? He himself engaged in spiritual warfare with Satan and again, solely for our benefit and to leave a perfect example for us when we face this war. 
Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give you, Satan said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Let's look at a few more who engaged in spiritual warfare. David was engaged in spiritual warfare when he committed adultery with Bathsheba and then had her husband killed to make sure he never found out. Jonah was told to go preach. He engaged in spiritual warfare when he went to go do his own thing and ended up sitting in a fish for three days. And Peter engaged in spiritual warfare when he doubted that he could walk on water. In each of these cases, while it does not say this in the Bible specifically, it is safe to assume that each of these men, David, Jonah, and Peter, being very human, knowing right from wrong, good from evil, were at war spiritually as they engaged with their decisions, just like we do today. I don't know about you, but I'm very aware of what I'm about to do if it is wrong. I also know and sense very clearly the internal war, the battle that ensues, even if it is brief. That forces me to either honor God or honor Satan. While scripture does not go into explicit detail of David's thoughts, just listen to what David did and any guy on this planet knows exactly what was going on in his head. It says, one evening David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of his palace. From the roof he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, She is Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Then David sent messages to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. 2 Samuel 11, 2-4 I am convinced David did battle, engaged in spiritual warfare with Satan while he drooled over this woman bathing. He knew he was embarking on dangerous territory, and he knew it was wrong. While we often read this account in David's life as the adultery story, and David was wrong for doing this, which he was, and this is what he shouldn't do, which he shouldn't, it is also very much an account of a man who had to have done battle in his soul. After all, David loved God deeply, and God said of David, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will, 1 Samuel 13, 14. That is quite a compliment from God to David in their relationship. Eve, I am certain, was in the same scenario. While she did not put up a major struggle from what Scripture tells us, she did begin by defending her knowledge and what she knew was right by God. She didn't just say, okay, I'll try it. Why? Because she did know better, and therein lies the battle. Eve obviously had her doubts, or she would not have said what she said to the serpent before she fell from truth. 
In each of these examples, and everyone throughout history who has accepted God and Jesus has engaged in spiritual warfare time and time again. And we see that there are many examples of those at war who come out victorious, like Job, and those who fall in battle. Each life example God uses in his word are designed to encourage and grow us for his purpose as true warriors for the kingdom, even to death. Are you ready for war? Are you ready for spiritual warfare? Well, ready or not, you're already in battle and on the front line. However, you have been handed every piece of weaponry and armor to fight the good fight and win. So go now and suit up. Go, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. Let's close in prayer. Most gracious and glorious God, we come with repentant hearts of our willed rebellion against you. Our decisions to follow the evil desires we are so quick to take hold of each and every day. We thank you for extending your hand of salvation continuously, even in the depths of our darkest moments. We beg of you that we may be quick to seek wisdom and direction from you each day, and to grow deeply rooted in our awareness and understanding of this great and treacherous war that surrounds us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory for eternity. And we ask this in the name above all names, the undefeatable Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior.